Welcome murder fans, welcome writers and aspiring writers to Murder Inc. The Art of Writing Crime with me, your host, award-winning crime author, Keith Wright. I'm the author of the Inspector Stark series of crime novels. You're listening to episode 8, How to Start Writing Your Novel. Techniques. So in this podcast, I'm sure some of you are already aware, I talk about storytelling, not just writing. Um, Some of my general observations will serve you well, no matter what genre you're writing. Because they're general techniques that can be used to write any book or short story. Remember... This is going to be your book. You're going to write it and you decide what advice you listen to and what you want to ignore. Slightly different episode this time. So I'm not going to read an extract because I want to talk generally about how to start writing your precious novel and some of the techniques you can use. You know, people say, well, how do I start? Where do I start? So let's touch on some of those subjects. All you have to do is listen, sit back, enjoy, and maybe pick up something that you can add to your style. Don't take it literally. I mean, um, soak bits in that appeal to you, that's all. Um, There are different ways and techniques that you can employ when you want to start writing a book. And, And that's what I want to talk about really today. Secrets? There are no secrets, it comes from your damn soul if you just let it, is what I always say. Um, Anyway, let's get into it and uh, settle in. Here we go. Before we get into the techniques, there are some fundamental principles to writing a book. And by the way, these aren't from a book, they're from me, in my, my brain, in my experience of 30 years writing. So, um, you know, I'm sure there's other things that people might use. Um, I'm sure there's software nowadays, actually, that you can use. Um, I steer away from software. I like to feel it and sense it and, and do my own thing. But, you know, each to their own. Um, But these fundamental principles, in my view, so firstly, I mean, I guess you've got to have an idea, haven't you, you know, an idea of a story. I mean, without this, you're going to struggle, to say the least. Uh, You know, that idea can be very simple. Um, You know, let's do the crime theme, if you like, but it's the same for any, any genre. Um, a man's found dead and he's killed because, I don't know, he insulted gangster Reggie Cray in 1963. How's that? So that's your idea. That's our idea of a a book. Fine, okay. So so next, so where, where will the book begin then? That's the premise, that's the idea. But where's the book going to begin? Is it going to begin at the murder? of the man who's found dead? Is it going to be 
when he's found murdered? Might it be at the point of the insult of Reggie Gray? Or before even then? Or the court case? Or when the man's born? Who, who knows? I tell you who does know you, because that's something you're going to decide. So, you know, you've got your idea in your mind's eye. So there's lots of different ways and times and a chronology. And So where are you going to start it? What best serves the story? And indeed capturing the interest of the reader. Um, you know, there are, there are many books, aren't there, that do the flashbacks and all that sort of stuff. And that's okay. I would, my tip would be not to do too many if you're going to insist on doing flashbacks because you want to know where we are, don't we, when we're reading it. We don't want to, you know, where am I now? In the back, in the distance, in the front, upside down, you know, where are we in this story? So, nothing wrong with an occasional flashback, but I scarcely, scarcely use them. And, And if I do, it would be rare and quite, you know, framed in the right way that this is what it is a flashback um so okay so uh, you decide it'll be let's say at the point of the insult if you like um and that's where you're going to start your your book so so have you formed any ideas so on who the main protagonists are going to be again don't forget Whatever type of book you write, it's the same deal. So who are the main protagonists? Is it Lady Godiva and the butler uh, and uh, the gardener? I don't know. You know, who are the main people? How many of these main protagonists do you want? Not too many. Um, Not too few, perhaps. Are you going to write it in the first person? Or the third person? A narrative style. Um, you know, I I prefer first person for short stories, and and I, to be honest, I, I scarcely again scarcely use first person, but I have done and I've enjoyed doing it. But for short stories, I guess the thing for me, and I know everybody's has this, has different views on this, of course, but I don't like this I business. I this and I that and I then and I looked and I this and I that and I walked and I sat and I this and I I I. And that's why I steer away with a novel, blimey, um, you know, 800,000 words more. Um, it, it can get a bit of a, a bit of a bind, I think, a distraction. But that's just me. But anyway, decide, is it going to be first person or third person? Um, and I noticed, I have noticed that first person seems to be quite fashionable at the moment. But um, as I say, it's a matter for you, and fads come and go, don't forget, and your book's going to be around forever. That's cool, isn't it? That's really cool. Whether anybody reads it, of course, is another matter. <laughs> That's the difficult bit, getting people to read it. Okay, so um, let's say, so with our little idea of the insult and Reggie, so we've got uh, the dead man, haven't we? Um, and we've got Reggie, Reggie Cray. I don't know, a detective perhaps? Let's have a detective. Um, as a starting point, others might pop up and appear to you um, as you go along and we'll, we'll come on to them, how the story will change anyway. But it's a starting point, so you've got to start somewhere. So who are these main protagonists? You're 
going to create them. Um, what traits do they have? What traits do you want them to have? Um, and that, that, that might fuel the character and fuel the way they interact, for example. I don't know, if the detective's got a limp, how did he get that limp? Does that cause him pain? Does that make him snarky, narky, nasty, sharp, short? You know, um, Reggie Gray's the most polite man you've ever met. Well-dressed, courteous, nice to the ladies, always opens the door. He seems a wonderful guy. Unless you insult him in a pub one day, he might take your head off. So what traits are these characters going to have? And... Um, of their, is there conflict within them, for example? Um, and how do you how do you want them? Do you want do you want contrast between, say, do two detectives or different protagonists in the book? Do you want them to be sinister, an air of mystery? Is there something they're not telling us? Don't we trust them? Don't we like them? Uh, all of those things. So, so the world really is your oyster, and that's great. There's nothing better, is there? Uh, and this is your world that you're creating, and that's the thrill of writing in many ways. Um, so, okay, so we've got our idea. We've got, let's say, we've decided on our protagonists and the traits and uh, what the sticking points are and, and the characteristics. So, okay, are there going to be any twists or turns you want to include in the story? I don't know. Uh, maybe the man has faked his death, perhaps. Has Reggie been set up by a rival gang member? And actually, it wasn't Reggie. It was it was another. They're trying to set the guy up. Um, is it? It was the killer, really. The man spurned lover, and and the Reggie insult just a, a red herring. So I mean, so what's the twists and turns, if any? Don't forget, you might not have all the answers straight away, folks. No, they'll come to you as you get into it. The characters will probably tell you as you get into it. I know it sounds a funny and a strange thing to say, but you, as you get into it, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Um, so, but if there's any in your mind that you want to include that really, because sometimes ideas for books are really just about a twist, aren't they? Or an unusual event or something that's, you think, oh, that'd be a good book, wouldn't it? And that obviously, so that needs to be. Um, in the book and positioned at the right place. Um, beginning, middle or end is up to you. Depends on what it is, of course. And we can't second guess all of those things. But it's something that um, that you can because you'll know what it is. So we've got our idea and, and uh, we know the gist of what we're going to do in our head. And um, so we, we need to get on with it now. Yeah, when I first started writing, it's a long time ago now, I did not have me. I did not have a clue, really. I mean, we've all done a bit of writing at school. I've written a little essay or a little story. And that was about as, uh, as much as I knew, other than I felt I would be able to write a story. And so, really, uh, believe it or believe it, I say, and I'm probably, I think I've mentioned this before, I had a pen and some paper, and that's, that's how I started writing my first book, The Stark Reality of Murder, it was called. And I wrote it on the hoof, uh, and I discovered, really, the story on the way. I just wanted it to be the murder of a family uh, in their own home. 
um, and the rest I made up. Now it's really good fun doing it that way, I must say. It really is. It's thoroughly enjoyable. Um, but it's hard, it's quite hard because, why? Well, you're constantly changing it and having to go back on yourself because it's a bit like, you know, and those that are more experienced probably know what I mean. It's a bit like the old butterfly syndrome, isn't it? Where people go back in time and kill a butterfly and that means something else happens and there's like a chain reaction all the way through to the present day. It's a bit like that with a story, particularly the more you get into it. So, as you're throwing stuff in, there are consequences to that. And usually historically and also in the future. And the whole thing, and you can get yourself into a little bit of a mess if you're not careful. Um, and there's a skill in that and there's, uh, there's some discipline, self-discipline involved in it too. Um, but it gets uh, harder to pick up on those mistakes that we might make because um, the more you're changing it, the more consequences are through that line, that linear strand of the book. And if they start intertwining and there's more than one for one character and all, it honestly gets massively complicated, it really does. So, it's doable. A lot of people write like that. And uh, it, and it's not only doable, it's enjoyable. All of those ables in one go. Um, so when I'd written my book, I was really lucky and an agent picked me up and I went to see him, a lovely old guy, and helped me so, so much. But for the second book, and in fact, um, to some extent, with slight modifications, it's, it's how I do it today. I'm probably a bit out of sync, actually. Um, I tend to use the skeleton, a plot outline and skeleton technique. Now, I'll, I'll go into what that is, and then what the pros and cons are. And forgive me if you if, if you know some of this stuff and say whether it fits in with you. I don't know if some of you go to writing classes and things like that. Um, I don't know if, if this goes with it or against it. All I can tell you is it, it works for me and for a lot of other people. And I know it's used in the trade um, a lot. So, so, yeah, for the second book, which um, was Trace and Eliminate, I did a plot outline and then a skeleton. So a plot outline, so this is kind of like, a, a, it, it's building on your idea, so it's a chronological synopsis of the main elements of, of your story. It might only be a page long, two pages long, something like that. Um, it's really, it's almost, you know, like a blurb, it's a bit more than that, but it's kind of like, it's a, what you know, generally what's the story like? Just in a page or two, that's all from beginning to end. No real detail, because that's coming. Um, so having done that, and hopefully that, having done your plot outline, that will give you some structure into what the book is about. Almost as if you, if you gave that to anybody, they say, ah, right, that's what it's about. I get it. Yeah, okay. Looks good, or whatever. Um, but then you get into the nitty-gritty and the the real grafty bit um, a lot of graft involved in devising your skeleton um, I think some people call the plot outline skeleton it's just terminology 
I call it a skeleton because what you what you're doing is you you're putting the bones together, aren't you? So you're making the bones of your skeleton, and then you're going to hang all the all the flesh on it when you start writing proper. Um, so what is a skeleton? So it's a scene by scene summary from beginning to end. Every scene of that book, not chapter. I mean chapters, and I know some people uh, they'll do a scene, and that's chapter one, and end up with you know 312 chapters. Um, but I'm I'm just taking the assumption there's five or six scenes in a chapter. Um, so right, so each scene is going to be planned out, written out by you, and. Uh, it might be one or two lines. Um, it, it might be half a dozen lines. It might be a third of a page or half a page worth of, of typing. But it's this, what is that scene about? Um, yeah, an example, where are we? Let's see. So let's go back to Reggie's the plot without a fictitious book. Scene one. So a man in the bar is knocked into, calls the man a tosser, Turns out it's Reggie Cray. That's scene one. So writing at it, writing at the thick of it. No messing about. We're going to go straight in. That's going to be our opening scene. That's going to um, thrill and excite our potential reader. Because sometimes people read that part or some of that, uh, all of that uh, first scene, don't they? Scene two. A man's in a panic, gathering up clothes into a suitcase and trying to get hold of his wife on the phone. Here's a knock on the door. That's scene two. Scene three. Now, I'm being a little bit... I mean, I'm throwing... You know, I've typed these out just ahead of doing this off the, off the cuff. So I don't think there's any... Um, no great thought into this in the, the, in the content, should I say, the detail of the, this imaginary story we're talking about. I'm trying to give an example of what it might look like. Um, often you'll find that the scenes require a bit more than a couple of lines, but not that much more. Don't get into too much of the detail because that's going to be the fun of it. That's the real writing, isn't it? Which we will come on to. But um, So once you've got these scenes together, you should find it easier to write the book. Writing a skeleton, I think, is really, really hard. Um, I guess the attitude is to think it will change. It will change, and you're going to change it. And the beauty of it is that you'll be able to change it cheaply. Because if you change it, you're knocking out of three scenes, say, and, I don't know, a dozen lines on the page. Not 40 pages in a book, if you see what I mean that you've already committed to. So this is a great play around, a great little uh, jigsaw, if you like, that you're creating here. And it gives you a real chance to have this overview of the book, that you can move the pace. Some people actually write them onto little bits of paper, you know, and so they can move them up or down the scenes. I don't need nowadays to do that. Um, but it's a bit of fun if, if that's what you wanted to do. Um, but you, you, it, you, it will save you a load of work further down the line, even though it can be quite challenging to do. It's harder than you might think. The first and last bits are usually quite simple. 
because um, but then when you think how you want to give it different layers and subplots and things like that um, it gets a little bit and, and you think, oh god is this going on too much and it, it, when you can imagine when you get into it you it, it, it's quite a challenging process to do but once it is completed it's a real godsend um, and, and a real bonus and benefit for you um, because you know, once you've done it, there's no worries about, well, shouldn't be any worries about writer's block, because you've done the hard work already, haven't you? So it's just descriptive prose and, and dialogue you've got to worry about. Well, I'm, you know, I'm being flippant perhaps, but you know what I mean. It, it's really about the art of the writing of that little scene and that little piece of uh, work. Um, pros and cons of using a skeleton. Um, well, the pros is say the hard work's done so you can move scenes around and you, you, it can help you give rhythm and pace to a story using a helicopter view that overview um, not being bogged down in minutiae that can distract you in the, in the uh, long writing of the book and so you know it's like the, as I say pieces of a jigsaw that you can move around to your heart's content until you're comfortable with it um, and you can you, you can get that feel of what the story is like in a, in a click of the fingers almost uh, you can also in, insert your twists in you know the little twists you want to do and subplots far, far easier um, you've also got less chance of plot holes you know, there's nothing worse person get to the end of a book thinking oh my lord my god I just thought you can't do that because such and such I don't know move the sewerage lid on top just at the last minute or whatever the plot hole might be I forgot that you can't do it because of such and such so you've got a better chance of seeing any any holes that might emerge in your super duper plot at the last second you think oh no that, that's not going to work I can't so you can make it work or you can change uh, that little angle of the part of the plot or whatever you can segue scenes can't you easier and think well actually that scene might work better because what I've got here is a I don't know dramatic scene and then as we're getting to start this next chapter in a new scene actually I, I want this to to rock me gently into I'm recovering from reading that hectic scene and I want to learn the aftermath of that but I want just treat me gently as they say and uh, you know, that sort of thing and it sounds silly but actually it's not of help why, do, why does somebody finish a book with, oh that was, that was amazing nobody really knows but it's part of all this playing and toying with the emotions and the vibe and all of that of the reader through the writing but less so you can segue scenes you can give it a roller coaster element can't you to the book if you want or in part of the book it's easier to see in a skeleton so you can have this drama and quiet and drama and quiet and then a twist back and then something else but it's, there's a rhythm to it and a pace to it so that it's not long periods of, of boredomsville um you know, we're thinking, oh God, I'm losing the work. This was great, and now he's going on and on, and she's going on and on about this and that. So you get the gist. Um, it, it's kind of, uh, uh, you can also have ideas. I mean, I used to print mine out. I tend to do it now. 
But I read, and it, it, we're scribblings all over it because things will, you know, when you're in the bath and the shower and you're on the old beta waves and you're breaking, things pop into your head and you're like, well, you're just about to drop off. You can add all these little things in that you might not be writing for three months, but you can insert it, scene 29, chapter 8 or whatever, you can insert those little bits of ideas, nuances, great bits of dialogue, um, a flash idea of such and such. So just whatever it is that's going to give quality to the uh, writing. And it's really easy to do that with a skeleton. Um, because, of course, to say it's just popping that into it and you don't get... You don't feel lazy or think, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll write it, and then you never, you've forgotten you've even written it. Never mind uh, where it was. So, yeah, you can add ideas, you go along. It becomes your template, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, uh, and it's that template that you can be working for. Particularly, you know, if, people, if you work for a living, because um, let's face it, you know, unless you're super-duper lucky, you ain't going to make any money at writing other than... Um, a little bit of supplementary income, um, unless you're very, very lucky. Or, you know, you, you, you can get a few quid here and there, but it, it isn't going to, you know. So many, many, probably I would suggest most writers work. Um, I've done it, I've worked and written at the same time. But the beauty of having that skeleton is you can go back to it. So uh, because of the job I was in as a, as a detective sergeant, you know, it'd be a whirlwind of stuff in my work. And if you're trying to hang on to ideas of a book, and, and it's impossible. So the beauty is you can write it, forget it, go away. The minute you sit back down at your desk, you're straight to where you were, you read what you, you wrote last time, and you're straight into it, and you don't have to hold... It's a bit like a TTBD list, isn't it, if you know what I mean? Things to be done. If you make that list, it takes a bit of the heat off. You're not trying to retain thoughts and growing, putting pressure on yourself. And um, and that's what, to some extent, to, the, 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 this helps to be. Um, so yeah, if you work, you, you, you might find uh, it useful. Um, as as for the cons, uh, rather than the pros, it's 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 not as enjoyable as writing, in in my view. There's a there's an enjoyment to it because it's really creative, and I know a lot of people write fantasy and stuff like world building. Um, but my problem is because because it's in my head, I kind of know it. Although I can't find it in my head, I know it's there. I don't know if any of this makes sense, but it's in my head, and I kind of know what it's going to be. I just can't. It's too big to, to see on the uh, the screen in my mind's eye. So, so um, you know, I don't find it as enjoyable doing that world building stuff, doing the skeleton. But of course, what I do know is. That enjoyment, the enjoyment of the writing proper is yet to come. And so that's great and that's good. And because you've already got the scene when it comes to the writing proper, you can really give it some attention and time. And you, don't, you really don't feel rushed. Um, and it kind of forces you to step back. Instead of carrying on writing into the next thing in the same vibe from one scene to the next, when you when you do it scene by scene, it forces you to step back and think, right, how am I going to write this scene? Am I going to start it differently? 
how am I going to give it uh, some difference to the previous scene? How am I going to... So it forces you almost to sit back, and it's great because you're like, you're almost writing a mini piece of work. Well, you are writing a mini piece of work, aren't you? But, you, you know, you're almost writing a mini story every time you write a scene, but it feels fresher. It feels fresh because you're coming at it fresh. So anyway... So skeleton, how long's a skeleton? Hands piece of string, but it's probably going to be 20, 30, 40 pages long. Time you've done, I would suggest. Um, sounds a lot, but yeah, some scenes you'll have to write, depending on what they are, quite a, you know, half, maybe half a page. It shouldn't be too much more. If you're doing that, you, you might need to split it up a bit. But again, you'll see it because it's on the, it's on the. Um, and, and you will do this, by the way. You will write a scene. I think, well, actually, that's two scenes. And I'll split it up and I'll, I'll, I'll separate it. I'll have another four scenes before I put it in there. And then come back to it and so on. So, yeah, 20, 30, 40 pages long would be... And, and you're doing it right, I would suggest. Um, but I say, once it's done, please remember it's a live document. And it, <laughs> I can guarantee you it will change. Um, it really will. And uh, that can, that's great, but it also can be a bit annoying because you still have the butterfly effect. But it's just easier to correct, <laughs> depending on when the change comes, of course, because if you've already done some of the writing proper, and that's why you really want to be making your changes, the bulk of them at skeleton stage. So live it through your mind's eye before you get to the writing proper. Um, but trust me, it'll still happen. It always does because the characters will tell you what they want to do. Um, so when it's time to write, the thrilling, uh, the thrilling ride begins. Um, so let's go back to where we're with Reggie. Um, so we've done our skeleton. Happy days. We're going to start writing. Um, we go to the beginnings. Oh, what did I write? Where does it start? Oh yeah, scene one. Man in bar is knocked into and calls a man a tosser. Do, do, do. Turns out it's Reggie Cray. Whoops. So then you get into, I don't know, uh, you know, the Red Rooster pub had been on Chelsea Road since 1763 when the hangman would stop to give the prisoner one last drink. Charles Duggan was about to take his last drink for a crime he was yet to commit. A crime that was not a crime, but still suffered the death penalty. He was an innocent abroad. The saloon bar was full of smoke and ancillary coughing and a low hum of conversation would be pierced by an occasional outburst of laughing or shouts. Charles had only called in on impulse. He'd often seen the place as he drove into work at the... See? Right, so, I don't know if that's any good. I don't even know if it fits. But you, you get where I'm at. This is the great bit, isn't it? So, and all, all this is from... And don't forget, we're going to go on for pages, aren't we? A few pages here. Man's in a bar, knocks into somebody, calls him a tosser. Turns out it's Reggie Cray. That's all it is. And yet we have all this, uh, hopefully, lovely, wonderful piece of writing don't we and this is really the thrill of it and this is the, the really good bit so hopefully that get, that example gives you the gist of that from a couple of lines you can see how much you could get from that piece 
that's without going into dialogue and uh, descriptive, I haven't done any of that, um, anything about Charles, what's his name, Charles Duggan, or anything, you see what I mean? So there's a, quite a lot, just from those couple of lines about knocking into a guy in a pub, there's a lot of, a lot of um, narrative, uh, not a lot of uh, writing to come out of it. So as I say, it will change. Characters have a habit of, of driving parts of the story. Uh, you've got to go with them. Don't fight them. If it means reworking the skeleton, so be it. The book will be better for it. And you, you'll know what I mean because the character, the character, you don't really know the character. You've not met them yet, the characters, have you? Um, we don't really know what they're like. We think we do from first glance at them. It's like I'm meeting somebody, isn't it? Uh, on first glance, we don't really know them, do we? So as we get to know them, I guess it will, it will fuel uh, some of the story and some of the reactions and some of this and that as you get into it. But I would suggest go with, if the, if the character's giving you a nudge and you think that they want to go down that little road, but don't go on wild goose chases. So always remember, it's always got to be relevant to the story or character development. And they just go down rabbit holes. Um, yeah, so uh, Stephen King, all he does is he writes a little mini synopsis and then he gets into it and that's fine. Seems to work for him, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and and that's, that's as much as it is. Ian Rankin, a very famous crime writer who uh, uh, I happen to know Ian, lovely guy. And um, he does it on the hoof. And, you know, he says a lot of crime writers do that. And I, I understand why. And say, so I've done it. Um, but it just depends how your brain works. And, um, you know, mine's... Um, I have to wind mine up every day. Um, so it just depends how your brain works and how you want to do it. It's your story. Um, so that's why I say, some of this you might, th- you, you might listen to, oh, no, I don't want to do all that and a good few and that's fine and that's that's the end of it but others hopefully will get something out of it and think well actually yeah I, I did wonder how do I and it's very simple isn't it you know it's quite simple well it's as simple as you make it if you put the work into the skeleton you should get a good book out of it um so um you know don't let it get stilted uh, give it a go that's all I would say. Because you've got to start somewhere. I mean, I think if you if you think about, oh, well, I'll do the synopsis and then I'll do the skeleton, it, 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 will, it will get you on that pathway. Uh, but remember, the skeleton is hard. Don't give up. And if you must, if you've got R getting stuck and you get halfway through the skeleton, do start, start it. Start the writing proper. It might give you a boost. Um... Because it can, it can be it take quite a bit of time, you know, and take and be quite a bit of a, dr- a drudge at times, because it's tough to do. The benefit is really once you've got the freedom of it done, and um, when you can get into that, you you know really that you're over the brow of the hill, um, and the hard thinking, the critical thinking is done, and it's all that flowery stuff that we like doing, isn't it? And um, oh, it's, it's a, a tickle, tickle on the old ivory, aren't we? And that's the thrill of, of it. So stick with it. But it's just a way, it's just some, a little bit of knowledge for you, for those that um, don't know where, generally don't know where to start and why would you? you know? 
Um, one thing you must do to start writing, though, is you've got to start writing. It might be a load of rubbish you're going to write, but it gets the cogs moving. Start the damn thing, start the process, and you'll find a rhythm and, and confidence the more uh, you do. Uh, because you can always write something. It might You might be writing, this is garbage, 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 but somewhere in it might be a gem. When you go back and rip it all up and throw it away, which may well happen, or you just, there might just be one little strand in it that you can actually use. So, having done all that, and you've done your flowery stuff, and you've written your book, um, we know it's not ended, don't we? Uh, because we've got some editing to do. Now, I, I guess that... Um, and you find your own way, of course, but I, I tend to edit a scene for the first time after I've, immediately after I've finished it. Only this, in inverted commas, editing is like a second writing, isn't it? With phrases and dialogue added and removed and uh, tickling it up. Descriptions might be enhanced. Characterizations Im improved. And so you've written it, you go back over it, and then actually you, you, you give it that little bit of uh, quality and depth to that piece that you've written. And then next time I'm back at my desk, I'll go, I won't just say, right, onto the next one. Boom, boom, boom. I'll read what I wrote previously, and, um, and of course you end up editing uh, that. Then after that, when I get to the end of the chapter, which is an accumulation of scenes, I'll go through the whole chapter again. And you're constantly tweaking, changing, adding, moving um, the story around. And then at the end, um, having gone through this this perpetual editing process throughout the, the writing. And again, people do this different ways, folks. Um, I'm just telling you how they I do. Um, but then at the end, so you've got to ed edit the entire book at some stage for gr grammatically and for typos and things like that that is a chore or can be um, I, I actually don't mind editing because I sense the, I'm giving it more and more quality it's a bit like imagine if you carved a, a, a statue or something out of wood and then you, you've done the big the big cuts haven't you and, the, and you're really fine tuning that detail so I, I don't mind it too much but um, because as long as I sense I'm making progress um, it's when you're repairing stuff and putting sticking plasters on that it won't be enjoyable. But hopefully by sticking to the process of writing and being true to yourself, you won't have too much of that to do. Um, so yeah, so you you review it for grammatically. You then edit the entire book again from a narrative point of view. Then looking at the dire bits of dialogue throughout the whole book. And then if you like, uh, on descriptions. Um, and then you uh, have to make sure that you've closed off every loophole. You've got to answer every question. If you ask a question, don't leave it hanging. You've got to answer it at some stage in the book. Or there'll be a sense of non-completion. Um, so be careful how many questions you ask. But if you ask a question, you've got to answer it. Um, things have got to be closed off at the end. Certainly any loopholes. Do a checklist if you need to. You know, if you if you 
if you ask quick, because it, it can get lost in the bulk of all the writing. I mean, it, you know that you've asked something or made a point that needs to be resolved, then that's where your um, skeleton comes in because you can then skip ahead to when you want to answer that question and just make a little note, need to answer. Um, why it was that, I don't know, Auntie Ethel's hat was seen on the on the windowsill um, and it turns out that whatever, do you know what I mean? If you if you ask that question, you need to need to close it off and explain it away. Um, if you're using an editor, which a lot of people recommend, um, um, generally, grammatically, it's a bonus. Be mindful, it's still yours. If they edit it, uh, uh, you're wise to uh, listen to it but um and, and read and make check but you change what you want to change but editors are professionals usually hopefully well you've got the wrong person um and so you paying for that service but if it feels instinctively wrong either have the conversation with them or email them or whatever you want to do and remember it's still your book but grammatically it might be an idea and they're good at picking up on typos. But, you know, as I said before, you can get Grammarly and various other um, software that can pick up on the, some of the grammar editing and finding typos and stuff. Um, so when you get all that back, put it in the oven, leave it to bake for two or three weeks. Um, don't touch it, don't look at it, don't think about it if you can help it, which you, you won't be able to, but anyway... And then two or three weeks later, go back to it, read through it again, edit it, fine-tune it. You'll be amazed at what you see, having just left it for two, three, four weeks um, that you hadn't picked up on. And you should be at the point of, I don't know, some people use beta readers. Um, and these are people who you give a few quid to or not, or they just want to read books. Um, and they'll read it for you and give, them, give you their view, pick up on anything glaring, give you um, some feedback and a review or whatever, um, and you can sort of complete any final changes, make sure nothing's been missed. It's someone with a fresh pair of eyes, I guess. I mean, I give it to my wife and family, and, uh, but it's kind of interested, isn't it? That's the problem. And thankfully, my wife likes to read the books, and she's an avid, avid reader, so uh, it's, yeah, that's a good thing. And very critical. <laughs> but um, often, she, she makes a good point. Because it's precious to you, you know, you don't want to change it. You, you know best, don't you? But actually, often, you know, it's good to get a, another, another person's view on it, at least. Um, reread it one last time. Give it a big old kiss and just let it go. It's time to leave the nest. Let it go. Um, you decide when it's finished. It's got to be finished at some point. The only, the only, I mean, people say a book is never finished, which is perfectly true, isn't it, if you think about it? It never, it never is. But it has to be finished because it's time. And... The only time it's finished is when you say it's finished. Not me, not Auntie Ethel, not the beta reader, not anybody, you. You're, you own it, so you decide when it's done. And that's the end of it. Don't over-polish it, take away the shine. Don't take this, that silver off it by polishing it too much. It needs to have a few jagged edges on it. 
don't make it too uh, slippery, shiny, either smooth. Oh no, you know, let's have some uh, some rawness to it. And it's that easy, folks. That's as easy as it is. <laughs> he says. So uh, yeah, sorry about that. But that's as easy as it is. Um, I've gone on uh, more than I do with the, the episode. I tried to keep them half an hour, but this is really important, guys and girls. Um, uh, just get started. Get on with it. Just a quick recap what we've said. There's different ways, but as a starting point, get your idea. Do your plot outline. Um, a couple of pages. You've then got your big thing, the skeleton. Do your writing proper. Then your reviews and editing. Leave it to bake for a couple of weeks. Review, editor, beta reader, final review. Don't over polish and publish the damn thing, yeah? I hope it's been of use to you. You know you can always ask me anything through any of my social media, uh, through this podcast, through my uh, website, Keith Wright Author. Sorry, keithwrightauthor.co.uk. K-E-I-T-H um, and you know drop me a note drop me a line absolutely uh, I'll try and help if I can even if it seems silly um, give us a star rating if you that way inclined be nice um, that's another episode of Murder Inc The Art of Writing Crime coming to an end I hope you've got something from it you know I like doing them really enjoy, enjoy doing them for you Thank you for listening to Murder, Inc., The Art of Writing Crime. See you next time.